and welcome to Ringer FC. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com. I am joined, as always, by Ryan O'Hanlon. Happy Halloween. And Micah Peters. Woo, You're woo, dressed up woo. as washed Marcus Rashford today. No, I'm dressed <laughs> up as Travis Scott, but that was a good, uh, that, that was a good, um, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and turn around and go back hopping through the halls like a frog. Welcome <laughs> to the Route 1 podcast. We go direct. We kick it up to the big man, knock it down for the little man here with our takes. We're going to start with some massive overreactions to Premier League. Oh, by the way, you'll probably be receiving this in whatever podcast platform you, you choose at a time when, like, really good football is being played. Mm-hmm. We're probably not going to be talking about that. That's the Champions League today, and it's, like, a sick lineup, so feel free to enjoy that. This is mostly about the Premier League. We're also going to take a trot around Europe, uh, talk about some of the big leagues. But let's start with Premier League massive overreactions. And here's—I'll start us off here, Micah. <laughs> These are the final days of Jose Mourinho at Manchester United. On Earth. <laughs> on Earth. <laughs> because he's, he's won all the leagues on Earth. He's going to uh, conquer the galaxy with the replicants. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I mean, like, I, I believe that you're referring to him looking directly into the camera at full time after beating Tottenham 1-0. to and making a shushing gesture. I will, I'm telling you what I'm referring to is in his notes today from <laughs> Manchester United's clash with Benfica. Benfica is my Portuguese club, by the way. Thanks for asking. <laughs> this is what Jose wrote in the notes. <laughs> I hope that you enjoy this game more than some of you did against Tottenham. What? He's just, like, <laughs> sending shots at the Manchester United fans. Look, I get it. I get that sometimes life can be tough up there. You're getting rained on a lot. He lives Living in a hotel. He's got hotel. Phil Jones on his team. <laughs> but you can't just, you can't lose the fans, right? Like, this is the one He's, thing. I feel like his grasp of, like, the way Manchester United thinks of themselves as this free-flowing attacking team full of youth is not exactly what I associate with Jose Mourinho. So what those two t- parties have, the fans and Jose have in common, they like winning. Yeah. He is doing that. Yes. They are, they are in second place. They're doing fine. But he can't, I don't think he can actually antagonize the fans here. And this has been now a couple weeks now of him. First, it's the flirting with PSG, the rumors about wanting a pay rise, the shushing, and now the program notes. It actually goes back to beating Leicester City 2-0. to zero What happened Because there? after the game, he was just like, oh, after we scored, I realized that the stadium was full because it was just, like, really quiet. <laughs> yeah, this is my thing, though. Like, do you kn- Jose knows that, like, Old Trafford is a tourist destination. You yeah. know, like, yeah. I, I, t- I don't know what to tell him. If he wants, like, a passionate crowd, go manage Leeds. You know, like, th- there's those are the breaks. Yeah. I got, I'm... Sick of Jose Mourinho. Are you? Like we're, it's like we're talking about him every week, and it's just like, congrats on having the richest team in the league and playing like a glorified, glorified Huddersfield every week. <laughs> like it's just, I don't understand. Like, there's all of this like weird angst surrounding him, and there's a new story about him every week, and it's just like, your team is fine. You're not as good as Manchester City. Just like, I just, I'm like reaching a point where it's like, anytime he says something, I just completely tune it out. Have you ever been like, have you ever been into the mind games? Have you ever been into this? Like, I'm going to distract anybody from any problem with my team. Just frankly, this season is just that we are facing the Death Star and in City and we just can't keep up. Yeah, I think the mind games. So I'm going to distract everybody with all this other BS. The mind games were like, uh, 
a thing when he first introduced it, but now it's just like every time he says something, we're recognizing it as him playing mind games. So it's it's not distracting anyone, I, I don't think, at this point. Prior to the Benfica match, Jose said, the fans are the fans and they pay for their ticket and are free to express themselves however they want. My job is when I feel they deserve to protect my players and I feel Romelu Lukaku is one of the players that should be untouchable in terms of respect for everyone. I guess he felt like that they were booing him. Well, well you they know, the were upset about him missing. He uh, subbed off. He subbed off uh, Marsh or Rashford over the weekend, yeah. and the fans started booing. And after the game, Mourinho acted as if they were booing Robert Rashford, Lukaku. but they oh, were booing okay. Mourinho for taking off Rashford. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, like the thing is, is that the game was won after Rashford and Mkhitaryan were subbed off. Like, so that's. I mean, yeah, you just yeah but at the same point, they beat Tottenham. <laughs> yeah, they, they beat did Tottenham. what they were supposed to do. They beat Tottenham. They didn't play full strength Tottenham, but Manchester United wasn't full strength either. They did the exact thing that you got to do to Tottenham, which is force them to focus and concentrate on you for 90 minutes. And Tottenham made yeah. one mistake and paid for it. And then yeah. hope that Deli Ali misses a chance from inside the six yard box. Yeah. Right. That's, that's the other, true. Uh, right. That's, that's also true. Um, I mean, like, I just, I don't really know what Jose wants from his team. I don't know what he wants from his fans, and I don't know what the fans want from Jose. I mean, this is what, the, the, he's doing what it says on the recipe. I mean, well, like, if you confuse expectation, then you don't really have to meet it, do you? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's he's mm. winning, he's winning games. He's winning the games he's supposed to. He's not going to catch Manchester City. The league is probably. Yeah, but the whole point is, shouldn't this team be able to catch Manchester City? Like, it, it's like we've accepted, like, Jose Mourinho plays a certain way, so this team has a ceiling, and it's just not Manchester City's ceiling. But why is that? Like, this team has an incredible collection of talent. Yeah, well, I mean, like, also... <laughs> maybe that's the mind game. He's tricked us into thinking that, like, he could, couldn't win the league no matter what. Well, I, <laughs> I don't know if it's like he can't win the league no matter what, but, I mean, I would really love it if if Pogba could come back and control the midfield because, I mean, like, you have Modish who's a steadying presence, but Herrera is not the person that's going to... I, I gotta tell you something as I look you in the eyes. <laughs> I would cut off my left hand to have Herrera be like a Liverpool <laughs> midfielder. Yeah. I mean, like you guys, like I. That's one of the things that I find a little bit like annoying about this is just the embarrassment of riches they have in terms of talent. Is like when you guys cannot cry poor mouth when Pogba goes down. Like every team loses players. Like you have no yeah, idea what it's like to cheer can't. for um, Jordan Henderson, Emre Chan midfield. I mean, absol- <laughs> like absolutely. But if if like yes, the issue is the fact that he refuses to change the system. Um, but yeah, he plays the modest Herrera midfield exactly as if, Herrera as is if Pogba. exactly yeah, that's the you. problem. Look, I think this is all like I mean, we can we're going to talk more about whether this league is over in a little bit. But the interesting thing is, uh, you can go on transfer market. James York tweeted about this. James York he writes really good soccer pieces for us, mm. and you can play around with um different versions of the table, like a top six table, a, a, a table without the top six. And I was just looking at the top six table. They they haven't even really played anybody in the top six. They drew with Liverpool and they beat Tottenham. They're doing exactly what they want to be doing. Yeah. So I think that um, I, I don't know what this is about. I don't know whether he doesn't like Edward Wood or he really wants to get paid five million more euros a year or ten million more euros a year, or if he just wants to go coach PSG and like have his family live with him in Paris. I have no idea what's behind all this, but I know this: it's pretty rare. Once he starts walking down this diving board, for him to decide to decide he doesn't want to go in the ocean. I have a question for Micah. Yo. So Thomas Tuchel, let's say he wants, he comes out, pulls a Ryan Giggs and says, I want the Manchester United job. If you could swap him in for Mourinho, would you do it? 
Uh, mm. Yeah, man. How do you feel to <laughs> cheer for Jose Mourinho? I got to say that it is honestly kind of exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> Just because, I, you, you, I mean, like you're – you're doing all of the bargaining of whether or not all of this hoopla is worth the results that you're getting. And they are, I mean, like, because we're, again, we are in second place, but I mean, am I enticed by these, uh, like the coaches that are coming out of Dortmund? Of course I am. I mean, like, I like the way that Dortmund plays. I like, I like Thomas Dukel's coaching style. Would I take him like right now? I mean, like that's a, that's that's gambling on an unknown versus like the devil that you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So probably not. Okay. You'll take that just smooth landing into third place. Yeah. <laughs> I would rather have Thomas Tuchel at the end of the season <laughs> rather than have him come in like. I I, I don't want to get January. too carried away with Josie, but let me ask you guys each one question in a one game like like one game play. Like, would you rather have any manager in the world still coaching your team in a one game one off game? No. Yes. Who? Guardiola. In a in a Champions League semifinal second leg with like it's pretty much even. Yeah. Really? Hmm. Yeah. I'll take Jose. I would take I would take Jose. He's, I mean I still Jose think would just he's do anything big, to win. I think Jose would just manager. do the do the thing that's just like he will move the guy into the right position and nullify the other team. Yeah, I guess I just I mean they won the Europa League, but it's the fucking Europa League. I, I just don't. I I don't know the last time he's won it. Like all of the big games in the Premier League last year, they laid a complete egg. Uh, so, uh, sticking with this Tottenham Manchester United game, because I just want to ask a quick question uh-huh. off, about Tottenham here. Is Harry, if they had such an award, literally MVP, would Harry Kane be the most valuable player of the Premier League? The difference he makes to his team. I th- I mean, I well, think. <sighs> I don't think so. I think it's it was convenient. I it's tough to you say. Think it's Kyle Walker. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's Kyle Walker. <laughs> it's clearly Adam Lallana. Um, <laughs> uh, it's it's last year they were undefeated without him. I think they played like eight or nine games, won most of them without him. This year he's sort of we all sort of have agreed he's taken a leap to a new level, mm-hmm. and I think part of that leap is that he's taking an insane amount of shots. Yeah. And just so when one player is taking that many shots, um, you're naturally going to be affected by that more when that guy's out of your lineup. Um, And they also have not effectively backed him up. I mean, there was an interesting conversation. I think this was in, I can't remember who was talking about this, but it was on one one of the podcasts I was listening to. It's basically just like, it's tough to get a backup for Harry Kane because you're essentially being like you are only playing in case of emergency or like yeah. I'm going to rotate you in for the League Cup. So, yeah. you, you're, you know, Lorente is there now, but <laughs> it's difficult to find the, I don't know, who would be like the best backup. Like you You're not going to have... You can't just be like, oh, this $10 million striker come in and take like eight shots for yeah. us now yeah, all yeah. of a sudden. Like you, you can't just do that. Um, but, but I th- just like... Considering how the managers are managing their team, I do actually probably feel like Pogba is maybe the most valuable just because of how Mourinho built that team and how clearly and he plays these vital roles in transition yeah. for the mm-hmm. team. Um, but And I sort of trust Pochettino if Kane is out for an extended period of time to change the way the team works. Yeah. I mean... I I think I also agree with that, and also there's the the concrete evidence that 
after Pep Guardiola called Tottenham the Harry Kane yeah, team, right. there yeah. was, I mean, their first game without Harry Kane was a loss, and the second game was also a loss. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think that, I don't know, it's too tough to call, because, I mean, like, it is, like, the end of October. We're it's going not too tough November, to call. He's the MVP. He's <laughs> <laughs> um, somebody who uh, is now just starting to make uh, an impact on the league that wanted to get to this guy, Damari Gray is the new Robert Perez. That's my overreaction. He played against Everton. It was only like his second start of the year. and his, I think he's had like 12 since January and, and, of last like year. Like 16 or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and so Claude Puel is in coaching uh, now Now that uh, Craig Shakespeare is, has gone back to work on his, on his plays. <laughs> uh, Puel is in, former Southampton manager, uh, and Damari Gray was basically the best player on the – Field against Everton. Pasa Gray, buena maniobra. Ataque en cuatro. El balón para Riyad Mahrez y viene de arriba. He was responsible for one of the goals of the season, if you ask me, which was basically him knocking it past two different Everton defenders running 80 yards. Incredible drop off pass to Riyad Mahrez, who did a one touch cross to Jamie Vardy, who banged in the back. That was an amazing team goal, like perfect counter attack goal. Uh, Gray just was doing a great job of getting to the touch touch line and crossing. He got credit, well, sort of credit for an own goal for 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 Leicester's second. Leicester's actually like if you take if you look at the Leicester versus the rest of the league besides the top six, they're right where they want to be. You know what I mean? Like they, I don't, I, I don't necessarily understand this team's ambitions uh, because I just don't think that you can expect to lose Conte and Drinkwater and, and still be as good as you were when you won the Premier League, which in and of itself was a miracle comet hitting the earth kind of thing. Mm. But what did you see from Gray this weekend? I'm actually not a huge fan. There we go. Um, <laughs> he <laughs> did dribble through Everton's entire team and Everton's entire team is essentially a collection of sentient traffic cones. Um, <laughs> so I'll give him that. I think he's... To me, he's one of those guys that, like, great dribbler, but in his game so far, there's essentially nothing else. Um, So it's like you watch him and he looks good, but the end product is just almost never there. And, I mean, I guess... You know, if he's scoring all the time, um, are you having seasonal affective disorder? What's wrong with you? No, like Jose Mourinho, <laughs> Harry Kane is fine. Demari Gray is boring. <laughs> I, I just, I, I think he's Demar Gray. Like, he reminds me of Andros Townsend. Like, we all got, <laughs> we got so excited about him, and then it's like oh, this guy man. can dribble, and then he just take shots from like the sideline, and they don't go in. Um, Will you help me out here? Yeah, I mean, like, I think that Demari Gray is. I think that he's always like he can break it like he his pace breaks the game open. I don't know. There's 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 really not much more to be said about him at this juncture. Yeah. But I mean like in games where that's dope. That, that is why a good what are thing. we overthinking this? Yeah, for? but it's, that he's is breaking a, a game open like one of every ten games he plays. Though. Okay, it's that's like, a, that's maybe a like <laughs> you can't just have like a a negative player on your team for the other nine games. <laughs> I will. I came across. I to Mark, so we've gone all the way from he's fine to he's a negative player now. <laughs> nine out of ten games. This is, I mean, if he's if he's not like bursting a defense open, he's not doing anything else. He's not like a good passer. He's not like cycling the ball off the field. So I, I just 
Obviously, he's young. He's also, yeah, he's 21. I, I just think there are... I like watching fast wide players. Like, they're I, very exciting. They're, it's like an element of the game that sometimes gets managed out of the game these days. I just, he's... Because people buy all these, like, creative central midfielders and just put them all on the field at the same time. And you just don't see a lot of guys just, like, breaking games open from the wing. Yeah, it's fun. Um, but... <laughs> I mean, it's like... Yeah, it's fun. He's, I, to so me... Like, very slow, pencil, I would methodical love, passing. And, <laughs> yeah. I would love to see him... This this is dope. Brian's new thing should just be like he's not as good as Iniesta, and just like that's your flavor no. evaluation. He's not no, as he good as Phil Foden. Paper on his books <laughs> and, and like um, see the game and binary. He would love to see him like add some sort of actual end product to his game, but I right now I think Demar Gray is more likely to go down the like Aaron Lennon career path than like the Raheem Sterling. Putting a stop to this. <laughs> uh, last massive reaction, Tammy Abraham is better than Kylian Mbappe. Well, uh, Kylian, Mbappe, <laughs> <laughs> Kylian Mbappe is experiencing his first dip in form. Yeah, he's, he's, he's under the tutelage of Neymar. It turns out that's not necessarily the most, <laughs> the greatest educational place to be. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, like... So answer the question. Yeah. Yes. I, I think that we've established <laughs> uh, that. I how think that would that's Conte, like, Abraham backing up Morata right now? He would kill for it. I mean, the thing about Abraham is, like, so of every player in all of Europe, he takes shots closer to the goal than anyone, his average distance from the goal. So he's like, that's just not a thing you usually see from a young player, yeah, right? You, you can't think, teach that because that's actually... So explain to me, I understand what that means, but what does it take to do that? Like, that's just like an incredible sense of like where you are in the box, not being yeah, outside. Yeah, you can't... Like, there's a way to look at it and it's like, oh, like, wow, he takes shots from close in. Like, good for him. Like, he's just shooting when he gets close. But you can't, like, just stand in the box and yeah. then automatically <laughs> get a ball and take a shot. You have to create space for yourself because it's so crowded in yeah. the box. You have to make the right runs. You have to be able to take a first touch that, like, opens up a little bit of space. And, like, taking a lot of shots from that close is just how you score goals consistently. Yes. Nothing's going to, like like buck that trend and the fact that he's doing it at such a young age is like incredible it's like a we brought up Inzaghi last week but like that's like what Tammy Abraham is but he can dribble also Tammy Abraham for anybody who doesn't know is a uh, place for Swansea and, and looked really good against Arsenal over the weekend even though they lost he's got but, four of their seven goals you know one of the things that Chelsea has struggled with is that when Murata goes out they do not it's not that they don't even I mean they have other players who could play there I mean one at least mm -hmm. in Batashwai but like they William. don't. What's that? William. And William, William. Right, like, when he decides <laughs> to play like Roma from four years ago, but they don't actually have. I mean, Tammy's closer to Murata than anything he's got on his bench. It was. It would be that really unique situation where you can go like for like mm -hmm. and not have to completely change your system mid game if you're going to bring him in. I obviously I think that what you're seeing is Abraham getting a ton of usage in Swansea, but yeah. you know what I mean. Like it would be. Yeah. Well, I mean, like it's. I mean, he can do. Yeah, I mean, like, he's essentially got all the tools. I mean, like, he can hold the ball up. He doesn't settle, like we were just now saying, like, for shots on top of the box. He'll look to pick out the player that's running on. Or, I mean, like we were saying, you can get those Vandersnitches, as we used to <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, it wouldn't be a situation where Conte has to change the entire system. like, And it's like a, he gets frustrated with young players all the time, but, like, that style of play is not like a typical young player yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, 
He's not better than Mbappe. He's, he's got young hair. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a thoroughly uninspiring, massive overreaction section. Let's get out of here. We'll break to hear from our sponsors and come back for some zonal question marks about the Premier League. Today's episode of Ringer FC is brought to you by Hotel Tonight. I tend to leave things to the last minute, but if you do that for Halloween, that means you end up rummaging through the dregs of the party store bins, trying to scrounge up a costume that'll work. Like, okay, I guess I will go as LA Galaxy David Beckham, or possibly AC Milan David Beckham when he tore his Achilles. That's not a great costume. When it comes to booking hotels, though, being last minute actually works in your favor as long as you've got the Hotel Tonight app. You can play it by ear and see how Halloween goes, but maybe you need a ghost and find somewhere to escape to. <clears throat> Sorry. You can play it by ear and see how your Halloween goes, but maybe you need to ghost and find somewhere to escape to. Or maybe you'll find the Bonnie to your Clyde, or the Clyde to your Bonnie, or the Victoria to your David. And you want to keep the night going. Or if you're the type who started planning your Halloween costume on November 1st of last year and like to have things locked down ahead of time, you can actually book a room with Hotel Tonight up to seven days in advance. Even book up to 100 days in advance in certain major cities. wonder if they've got anything in Transylvania with Hotel Tonight. You'll bag a sweet deal at a killer hotel. Whether you need a room for today, for Halloween or beyond, you'll definitely want to download the Hotel Tonight app. And we're back. Premier League zonal question marks. But before we do any Premier League questions, I do want to ask about this England under-17 team that just won the U-17 World Cup in India. Comeback win against Spain, 5-2. And I think that this the England youth setup is destroying things right now. Like, they're really, really playing well on multiple levels. I think the question I want to ask is, do you think we'll ever see any of these guys like Foden, Ryan Brewster play for any of the big six teams? Um, I think that like uh, who is it? I, I, there was none of these guys play for Man like, U, so Micah doesn't know anything. No, 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 no. That's I know not Ryan true. Brewster. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, like you had Klopp talking about Ryan Brewster, just <laughs> talking about maybe he'll see playing time once he hits puberty or something. Yeah, I mean, these I mean, guys under seventeen is very young, but Ryan, you were looking at basically like the best players in the U seventeen tournament from years past. Let's just so this is Ryan Brewster won the Golden Boot. Or a golden shoe, whatever sort of footwear uh, terminology you want to use. These are the past five guys before him who won the golden boot at the U-17 World Cup. Victor Osimhen, Valimir Barisha, Suleiman Koulibaly, Borja, and Macaulay Chrysanthus. Koulibaly, I think, is the only person that I recognize. <laughs> you can go there. back a couple. Carlos Vela, like Cesc Fabregas. Vela, Fabregas, and then Florent Sinama Pungol. And okay. I just Sinama Pungol. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Portsmouth legend Sinama yeah. Pungol. So um, maybe it's not the most accurate predictor of future success, but, but I think Wigan, it's brought sorry. about a huge debate in England right now, which is um, what's it going to take for these kids to get a shot at some of the bigger clubs? And are they going to follow like what that Jaden kid did and moved from Man City to Dortmund because he was just like, I'm just never going to play here. Yeah. yeah. And then and then Man City was like, we don't want to sell him to Tottenham. So he had to go to Germany to play his football. And he could, couldn't have gone to a better place. Yeah. But it's an interesting situation where, like, I, I think that you're going to start to have a very talented generation of English players. You may not be able to find spots in the top six English teams. Yeah. I, I wonder with this if we're not, like, getting ahead of ourselves. Like, so England won the U-17 World Cup and the U20 World Cup. They won the Euro U19, and then they lost in a shootout in the finals of the U21 Euros. So they're just like 
completely dominant. And so just the fact that, like, they're producing all of these incredibly talented youth players, like, I just find it hard to believe that, like, that won't rise sure. throughout the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I it, it kind of reminds me of the whole, like, the worst thing that happened to England was when they won the World Cup thing, when it's, like, the rather than sort of accepting that this is a good thing, it, like, we jump to, like, what what are the issues with this good thing that just happened? Mm. I, I guess think, I think of, yeah. I mean, like it just goes back to what we were just talking about with Abraham and Damari Gray it's about whether guys like that get enough chances to to even find out that they have yeah. like they're high volume shooters in the box or anything mm-hmm. like that. You know, or are they going to get relegated? I mean, like look, there is also a dark side to playing kids too early. Ask Adnan's Janazai. Ask Boyan. I mean, like yeah, those true. kids. Like you can break a kid if he goes out there and has two good games and everybody thinks they're the second coming of Cruyff and then they have ten bad games and yeah. people are like, send him to Real Sociedad. Or yeah. he becomes Marcus Rashford, who is fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Phil Foden, uh, I think, was... I mean, he was the the best player throughout the tournament. They said that repeatedly yeah. in the in the World Cup you final, which is up the to watch only U17 game. World Cup live. No, <laughs> was the, the 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 final, the only game that I watched. Yeah. <laughs> No, but uh, I mean, like he was electrifying, cutting inside, and like I mean, he he seemed like the most skilled player on the field, uh, and against he's a, Spain, yeah, against, <laughs> yeah, against Spain, yeah. and I mean, like, but he's a Manchester City product, and I, I mean, I don't know if either of you are thinking about this, but like being at seventeen and the fact that if you are like truly like a singular talent. Like you're already getting playing time. I, these are I don't know. It was a, it was a lot of things that I was thinking about. Where again, probably I was overthinking. What are the things that are wrong with this? But I mean, I would like to see what happens to Foden in like three years. What's the bets? It's about what's. This is a question that applies to the states. It applies to any country when they're developing young ta- talent. Is what's the right path? Where should you? Where should these kids be getting? Being on City and Chelsea, but getting loaned out to. Aston Villa and Birmingham and and not Knott's Forest so that they can learn to get playing time in championship teams but they don't necessarily have like the emotional or like deep like relationship to the club should they just be playing for teams like Southampton and Leicester and then and then getting sold when they're like 20 21 to a bigger club should City and Chelsea be allowed to hold all these contracts on their books just because they can pay for them and basically have a shadow business where they're loaning kids out every year? I mean, I I don't know what the answer is. Well, it's also the question of, like, is Phil Foden better off just being in, like, the Manchester Manchester City first team and, like, basically never playing outside of, like, cup games occasionally, but still getting training with Pep Guardiola every single day and playing with... David Silva, De Bruyne, John Stones. Um, John Stones. Sorry. That's how you learn. That's how you learn. Um, or is he better off going to like a championship team at this age and getting game time where the like quality of training and play every day is not going to be as I think I think Tammy is going to be like a really interesting test case because he played for Bristol. He was amazing in the championship. Mm-hmm. Comes back. Chelsea obviously needs a backup striker, but he goes to Swansea where he is the starting the starting striker and you know like at a certain point he's going to want 
he's going to want like to know what his deal is. Like he's going to he's not going to want to change clubs every year and play for a different team that's sort of lower third of the Premier League. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what happened with Lukaku, where he felt like he got jerked around, and he finally was just like, "I'll just go play for Everton, and I'll be like the man at Everton." And then yeah. he became an eighty million pound player. Yeah, and it worked out. And mm-hmm. he's still pretty young and already twenty four. Awesome, and he starts yeah. for Manchester United. Yeah, I mean, like that's he did it right, but that's like a very like everything that had to happen there. I mean, and he also has uh, Rayola as his agent, so it's like he it's it took a lot to get Lukaku where he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. I'll be very interested to see what happens with Abraham next season and see who if, if Chelsea's like, you're, you're our guy now. You play next to Murata. You can compete with him for, for starts. Yeah, I will say that this guy Foden is like, he's awesome. And someone called him the Stockport Iniesta, which is an incredible nickname. But he just plays in this way that like he looks like a Spanish-style player. Yeah. Um, and Guardiola has talked about him a lot. So I think... In his particular case, I think we're gonna you're gonna see him stay with City, and he's gonna like start playing progressively more and more as the years go on. All right, we'll keep an eye on those kids, but let's have a more existential conversation right now, which I think has been sort of hovering over a couple of the different discussions we've been having offline or outside of the podcast. Which is basically, do you care that the league is over? <laughs> it's November. It's, no, it's the end of October, uh, and you know, I mean, like the, the crazier things have happened, but right now, as it stands. Manchester City are five points clear of Man United, and they are eight points clear of Tottenham, who are supposed to be, quote-unquote, second-best team in England. I, I, I could see a stumble, and if Mourinho stops being a baby, like United could pull them back, but I don't think that United or Spurs can make any more mistakes until City start making mistakes. Well, and that's the issue, like... Well, Manchester United, like, they're not a, the kind of team that's going to go on an insane run of yeah. winning, like, 10 games in a row and blowing the Chelsea, everyone out. The that's Chelsea just, run. They'll do the thing they did last year when they, like, tied 50 games in a row, but we're, like, we're 50 games undefeated. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I think the league is over just yet, just because I think there are a couple, like, key injuries that could happen to City. Um if they play Tony Poulos managed teams every weekend, maybe they they start to stumble. Yeah, and if, if refs don't call offside. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think I don't care because I think this team is awesome and yeah. probably the best Premier League team I've ever seen, both from a quality standpoint and from just their and games are incredible to watch. Yeah, like yeah, that's true. And it's like we talked about last week. It's making everyone else lose their shit. Which yes. Is, Mourinho aside is entertaining. The top six that we were sort of we imagined that there was going to be this top top six, right? That would be the Manchester teams, Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal, and Liverpool, mm-hmm. and we have that. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not that much more dynamic than the sort of rock solid top four that we had had for a few seasons before that. And I think that's what people are maybe reacting to is that like everybody is kind of sliding into their spot, and maybe Liverpool can go on a run and pull back. Arsenal and get back into the top four conversation, but there does seem to be a little bit of a like everybody knows their role, everybody knows their spot in this table, and they're going to stay there. It does feel like there's a lot of playing for second place. I mean, it, playing for fourth place, playing even. for yeah. fourth place. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't necessarily. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily care if this is you know like how it finishes. I mean. Of course, you know, I do because it would be great yeah, if the, the, whatever thing would happen. Yeah, but, I care. But, I mean, yeah. I would, I would, I, of course you care. But what I'm saying is, 
that. I'd love for them still to be a little bit more bunched up at this point yeah. in the year. Let's yeah. just put it that yeah. way. It would be for the sake of entertainment. And you know what? Look, I, I was looking at like the Christmas and January fixture list, and these these guys have to play a lot of games at yeah. Christmas because of the World Cup. <clears throat> every so they team are plays piling like, teams in. It's mm. like ten games over thirty eight yeah. days. Every team has to play. And strangely enough. You know, at, at a certain point, I, the, the chances are that one of City, United, Spurs, Chelsea, or, or Liverpool are going to probably fall out of the Champions League races or whatever, and maybe they won't even go into the Europa League, who knows. But City's going to have, I mean, City wants Champions League success. This is not like, a, let's let's just get the league this year yeah, and we'll yeah. be fine. And I think that there's going to be a lot of pressure on them around the new year. I just don't know that they're going to... I, like you said, this is this might be the best Premier League team we've ever seen. So the idea of them dropping five points to United and United also taking advantage of that when their manager is writing like petulant notes to the fans. Yeah. And it's just hard to see Manchester United beating Manchester City, which is the easiest way to gain points on a team. Right. Um, but I do think, I don't... If Manchester City keeps doing this every year, I would be like, this sucks. I don't, I'm not, <laughs> right. this is not fun. Right. Um, but we just haven't seen a great team in the Premier League in a long time, so that's fun. And, but I think I think the other five teams are a lot closer qu- from a quality standpoint um, than we're probably giving them credit so for. To City or to one another? To one another. Yeah. Um, um, but I mean, like, also, to your point about them wanting champions, them looking... Like, they want Champion League success. I mean, they also seem built for it, also. Mm-hmm. It's not like they... I mean, like, while they're also they smashing get, things I, in the I think if Fernandinho I mean, gets hurt, like, that's that they'll yeah, be in the trouble. They don't have a they don't have an obvious replacement for Fernandinho. Foden. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's also, like you're saying, it's like they bring... Like, Sterling and Aguero were on the bench this weekend, which is just... That's stupid. Right. Yeah. Right. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, and then we will be back to do a quick roundup of other European leagues. Today's episode of Ringer FC is also brought to you by Me Undies. Me Undies makes feel good undies your butt will be proud to wear. They will be the most comfortable pair of underwear you will ever own. And check it out yourself. You can go to meundies.com slash ringerfc. They've got tons of styles and patterns to choose from for both men and ladies, and MeUndies will have the perfect fit for any personality. The MeUndies feeling is unmatched because they use natural soft fabric that is three times softer than cotton. For a limited time only, check out MeUndies' first ever glow-in-the-dark print, Lights Out. Why not update your underwear drawer and glow up at the same time? And if underwear isn't your thing, MeUndies also makes the softest socks in the world, Micah. I happen to really enjoy they stay up, they stay, they stay comfy. They stay just silky smooth. <laughs> to get 20% off the best and softest underwear and socks you will ever own for free shipping and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash FC. That's MeUndies.com slash FC. All right, guys, uh, we wanted to just do a quick Continental Roundup before, just since it's Champions League week, people are going to be watching some of these other European teams, and we're going to start. Ryan, I wanted to let you talk a little bit about La Liga and talk a little bit about what's going on with Real Madrid. I'm not really sure. Um, they're now, so they lost to Girona um, over the weekend, which drops them eight points back of Barcelona mm-hmm. already. And I think the stat that's going around is that Real Madrid's never come back from eight points, which is sort of a misleading stat because 
they're never eight points back because they're yeah, Real right. Madrid. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like 538 has it as Barcelona is an 81% favorite to win La Liga at this point. And that, that's after we came into the season being like, wow, Real Madrid is a dynasty. A dynasty. Yeah. Their recruitment process is perfect. They're bringing in all these young players. Um, and Zidane is a great manager. There's exactly. The stability there. So I think some of it is has just been like bad luck, unfortunately, as lame of an analysis as that is. Benzema and Ronaldo have two goals combined in they've taken over 60 shots together mm-hmm. and played over 900 minutes. And that's like, that's just not going to happen for the rest of the season. They're not going to keep, like, Ronaldo's not going to score five goals and take like 400 shots. Like, that. that's just not going to happen. He's going to start scoring. Um, but sort of the whole promise of Real Madrid over the past few years was that they were better than like all of their numbers suggested. And there was, they would, sort of outperform their stats in a way that people didn't quite understand and now they're not doing that and Messi is just losing his mind and yeah. Yeah. the best attack best goal scorer and best creator in Europe at the same time this is all inconvenient for me because like six weeks ago I was watching them I, can't, I think it was Destroy. the it was the Dortmund game and I was like this this is one of the like I don't I'm not going to get into like all this is just one of the best teams the most fun I've ever ha- had. Mm-hmm. And I, I do not like Real Madrid, but I you just I was like, this is such an amazing team to watch. And the midfield especially, like the diamond that they were playing in, I was just like, this is unbelievable. Like every every time you look, you put your head up, you can pass to Gareth Bale or Luka Modric or Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo. I was like, this is such an incredible team. It was the perfect marriage of balance and Galactico. You know what I mean? Like, it was, like, the Galacticos that actually made sense together, and now the wheels have come off. Well, yeah. I mean, like, it was... That team, like, one of the first time... That was probably just, like, one of the first times that you felt that they were doing more than avoiding justice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Like, which is just kind of, like, there's this... This is inevitability about Real Madrid, but it felt exciting at at that juncture. Now, with, like, after the loss against Girona... You have uh, any number of players or the coach or whoever, Kashmir specifically talking about how it does come down to basically just like luck. You said yeah. everyone's concerned. We know we're far away from our rivals, the objective. Um, there are no excuses. They scored two goals, and that's football. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The thing with that, though, is I think the Girona game, Girona like actually probably outplayed Real Madrid, and that's the first time I think that's happened this season. Um but the issue, I think, with like a team like Madrid sort of having an unlucky patch coinciding with Barcelona mm-hmm. sort of having a very fortunate patch maybe is that Real Madrid isn't built to like deal with adversity. Right. Like when stuff starts going wrong, people lose their shit. And like Zidane's job could be in jeopardy if it stays like this despite is, everything he's done. It's about, like, and this is a very interesting thing to say about like world football is it is particularly unkind to uh, – it has a very short memory. Yeah. So yeah. while I think we grew up with people like Ferguson and Wenger and Jobs for extended periods of time, uh, the fact that Real Madrid won back-to-back Champions League titles doesn't save Zidane's job if this is if they're 12 points off pace – in January. Yeah. yeah. Like, they could very easily win the Champions League. That would shock none of us. None. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, like, they could also 
very easily not win it. And then if they don't, the Liga seems like it might be gone already. So yeah. then that's a trophyless season. Do you think and, that there's anything we talked about how City uh, has kind of made the rest of the teams in the top six there crazy in England? Is the fact that Barcelona is doing this without Neymar and without Dembele at all <laughs> like a, prov- a provoking factor here? Maybe a little bit. I mean, I think it's, if anything, it, it's you can also tie in Suarez to this, who's scored three goals so far this season. Yeah. And again, if we're going to give Ronaldo the benefit of the doubt, Suarez deserves it too, that he's going to start scoring. So it's like, you have this gap already, Dembele is going to come back, Suarez is going to start scoring, that makes it seem like an even bigger gap yeah. to me. Yeah. No, I mean, like, it's, I honestly think that the gap can only widen, but I mean, like, that's... Assuming that Real Madrid doesn't write the ship before January, which I, I mean, like you said, they are a better team than eight point gap suggests. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just the same thing with City. It's like, well, are you going to get enough chances to make the eight up? Yeah. Uh, let's quickly move on to Italy uh, to wrap things up um, because I I know that a lot of people are going to be watching Napoli versus City this week. Um, they were very very good over the weekend in an interesting way because Napoli might be probably like. For lack of a better term, the coolest team in Europe in terms mm-hmm. of the way they, they definitely play. play the sexiest football. Yeah, line. it's yeah. unbelievable how vertical those guys get. Yeah, like everything goes in these lines that go straight towards goal, and it it's been a while since I've seen. I don't know whether it's like uh, Bielsa's Chile or or whatever, but this many guys get in the box so fast. Like mm-hmm. I do think if Sari was managing Arsenal, like. You know, like one of the things I always find with Arsenal is that like the build-up play in the final third before the very final third is amazing, and then there's just nobody in the box. Yeah, and you're just like, what? Who are you crossing to? You literally look up, and you're just nobody there. Yeah. But with uh, Napoli, actually won a pretty dirty game. It was a lot yeah. of like just sh- shuffling. Um, I'm sorry, what was the, who did they play? Sassuolo or what's yeah, Sassuolo. Sassuolo. A lot of like, you know, like thighing the ball into the net in like a crowded, crowded penalty area. But man, like every time they had like three dudes like crashing the net. And it was just like, that's what these guys do. It's like they create their own luck. And, you know, they don't do, we were talking about Tamari Gray earlier, they do not do a lot of like, I'm trying to out dribble you. Everything is pass, pass, pass. But unlike Arsenal, where it just feels like it's going side to side and they're just kind of biding their time, every Napoli move feels purposeful. Feels like it is gaining ground. It feels like it is going forward. So, you know, it's an interesting piece in The Guardian this week from Paolo Bandini uh, where he writes about the breakaway top of of Serie A about how there's just, like, now a full mini-league, to quote his article. Syria's top five teams might even be taking matters into their own hands as they establish what has effectively become a closed mini-league. Napoli, Inter, Juventus, Lazio, and Roma have played 53 games between them and won 40 of the, 44 of those. So of, those teams have played 53 games, won 44. If you exclude matches against one another, they've only dropped six points this year. So Italy kind of turning into Germany a little bit, but with, you know, yeah. if, if you, actually, not really, but, you know, <laughs> turning into the Premier League. Turning into the Premier League. Uh, in Italy turning into the Premier League with a sort of locked off, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of money up at the top, and then the bottom of the league seems like it's really, really failing. Is there anything jumping out at you watching Italian football these days? I think AC Milan sort of not being good, not being in that conversation. I think... Their numbers are decent, but it's just still like they spent all of this money and there's 
And they're still losing 0-2 to Juventus like, yeah, fairly easily. The five wins, five losses, one draw. And sort of the whole financial situation seems to get murkier by the day. They yeah. have to repay these loans that they don't really have the it's money like for. Like American Venture Capital like, Company. Yeah, like, really soon. So out. I don't know what happens like when a soccer team doesn't repay a lo- its loans, but I don't think it's a, a good thing. Yeah. Um, so that's jumped out. And the other thing is I Juve always finds a way to win. Um, but like... I don't know. Even this past weekend, they didn't look that great against Milan. Um, Just Iguain did. He yeah, Iguain t- put the team on his back, which that's why you spent as much money as they did on him. But like Napoli, just to me, they look like the clear better team than Juventus. Yeah. Um, and you know, Napoli. Inter a, might be better than Juve. Inter might be yeah. better. Lazio might be yeah. better than Juve. Um, and Napoli's president um, this past weekend brought up like a conspiracy against the team. Cool. Um, which is what people in Italy do whenever Juventus is involved. <laughs> yes, um, he like bl- said, suggested that like video refing is like an anti-Napoli thing, and then he said, "I wonder what they'll invent to cut us down because we're playing too well." That's dope. <laughs> video <laughs> refing is anti-Napoli. <laughs> Have you uh, gotten a chance to watch much much uh, Napoli? Uh, I don't. I, I haven't gotten a chance to watch that many of their full games. I missed the one this past weekend, but I. I mean, like sometimes, and like I just like to go on YouTube and watch the full attacking moves yeah, with, right. because it's maybe it's like thirteen. It's passes like thirteen passes in yeah. between. Like it, it'll be, they'll they'll put it outside to the to the outside right back. He'll find a pass above the midfield to the striker who drops it back to the midfielder, plays it out to the winger, and they're in the box in, like, seven yeah. passes. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. I was re- I was reading some great thing. I think it was Between the Lines or something like that, .com, and, and it was just all about how their Jorginho sets up to receive from the center backs, but he always does it where he goes behind the pressing strikers. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he basically blindsides them, and, yep. like, the moves always start out with the d- – defense disoriented because of that yeah it's a it's like a really cool video we can they're very good at taking players out of the game yeah yeah Yeah. and they're just like if there's like a soccer team that's built for twitter consumption it's napoli like there's so many moments throughout the game that you can clip and share like unlike a manchester united game i love sharing clips (laughs) of soccer online (laughs) Uh, let's wrap it up there uh for ryan and for micah this has been another episode of ringer fc we will be back next tuesday to talk about probably these champions league results and the premier league weekend peace peace Today's episode of Ringer FC was brought to you by Hotel Tonight. You can play it by ear and see how your Halloween goes. Or if you're the type who started planning your Halloween costume on November 1st of last year and you like to have things locked down ahead of time, you can actually book a room in the Hotel Tonight app up to seven days in advance, even book up to 100 days in advance in certain major cities. With the Hotel Tonight app, you'll bag a sweet deal at a killer hotel, whether you need a room today for Halloween or beyond, you definitely want to download the Hotel Tonight app. 